It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. I've been running for a few years now and have the privilege of meeting many incredible runners on my travels all across the country. This podcast is intended to share those amazing conversations. This week's guest is Patty O'Leary. The episode started off with us cracking a few Sufferfest beers, one of my favorites, before our conversation at his home in San Francisco. Patty and I met through November Project, as he was the leader of November Project San Francisco. With a background in lacrosse back in Ireland, he grew into an elite-level ultra-runner while training on stairs in the city with November Project and in the hills of Marin County with SFRC. Patty talks about getting into ultra-running, as well as his experience with November Project. We talked about why he suggested ultra runners jump into short races every so often and how using racing, particularly cross country, helps within training. In his professional life, Patty is a scientist studying cancer. We talked a bit about that and his background in academia, as well as his relationship with his coach, Matt Lay, who's an exercise physiology lecturer and researcher. We talked a bit about his relationship with his sponsors and his thoughts on racing full time. After the podcast, we went to his favorite Irish bar in San Francisco which is where the intro music of this episode comes from. Enjoy. Cheers. Cheers. All right. I am here with Patty O'Leary in San Francisco, California. And uh, as is true to form, we, we, are, we are doing this podcast over a couple of good beers. Nice. So thanks, thanks for joining today, Patty. Uh, no problem at all. Glad to, be, well, glad to be here in my own home. <laughs> Normally, people fly to Boston for this podcast, so this is uh, this is a bit of a unique situation where I've actually come to the come to the guest. Yeah, he wouldn't expense my flights over to Boston know, for the tough. quick trip, so we, I could get over we, and see Laura Green and Co. I know she um, she's pretty bummed that uh, that she couldn't be here for this podcast, yeah. and I'm sure she's listening, yeah. you know, at the moment since, intently. She's yeah, live, yeah, and Connor and Jack. Yeah, so um, yeah, so cool. Well, uh, again, good to good to chat with you here today. Um, you are coming off of a podium in a in a in an event today, so let's let's first hear about that. Yeah, so I jumped into my first navigation X challenge race, and so it's like basically you've um, set amount of time to traverse across uh, whatever terrain uh, you're doing it on. You have to try to get as many checkpoints as you can, but you can only use a compass and map. Uh, so we're over in the Berkeley Hills, which there's an array of amazing trails and hills over there. So I was like literally wandering around for four hours, wandering around cow fields and up and down hills and across extremes like, and through bushes and fucking a shit a lot. Can I curse? Yeah. Shitload of poison oak. <laughs> yeah. You you stopped after yeah. fuck yeah. and yeah. and let and 
question shit. So yeah, yeah, yeah let's yeah, let's yeah, let yeah. it go. I kind of want an inverse relationship with <laughs> cursing. There's some worse ones I could use. Um, but literally, you're wandering around for four hours to try to get off as many checkpoints as you can get, and you get for the more difficult checkpoints, you get more points or less points. You have to finish in within four hours. If you run beyond that, they're going to add some extra, or they're going to take away your points. Um, but it was a really fun experience. It was a uh, one great thing I felt about it is everyone's out there for four hours, so everyone's rushing back to finish at four. Everyone finishes together. That's awesome. Versus like ultra races, people could be finishing for several hours. It's kind of cool that everyone has that set point, so it's kind of a really, it's kind of a really fun kind of community style event. Definitely. So how did you? So you, we'll, we'll talk about your your journey into ultra running. But how did you get into this type of racing and this type of running? Um, for a project actually, I'm working on. I'm heading back to Ireland uh, next month to do to tackle this. Uh, route called the Wicklow Round. It's a, a kind of a route in the Wicklow Mountains south of Dublin that has, there's 26 peaks throughout these, this range and you have to go tag all of the peaks in one run in a certain order. Tricky thing is you're not allowed to use GPS. You have to use a compass and map. Most of it's off trail on pretty heinous terrain and I decided to go back in April which is a pretty shitty time in terms time of, of weather. And Ireland's pretty wet in general, but we're picking like the wettest time of the year just to make it a little bit more fun. Um, but I'm going back to try beat the FKT in it, the fastest known time. Nice. Which was set last year, had been standing in Irish duty and Keith had it for 10 years. And then Joe Stringbean McConaughey, a oh, fellow yeah, Boston Northeast fellow. Guy. Yeah, he uh, came back and he took an hour off Ian's record last year. But we can't have Ireland's <laughs> premium FKT in the hands of a fucking American. I mean, Boston's a pretty Irish town. Yeah, Irishish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Irishish. Yeah. So it's it's not clear uh, if it's not clear uh, based on your accent. Where are you from? I am from Ireland. I'm from Wexford, straight out of Wexford, G. Ireland, down in the southeast of uh, southeast of. Uh, sorry, I'm from Ireland, but I'm from a town called Wexford, down in the southeast. Actually, from outside of town, I'm from a dairy from dairy country. So I grew up in the dairy farm when I was a young lad. Um, we I kind of relate Wexford to the Florida of Ireland. It's in the southeast. We have the highest level of sunshine in the country, and it's where uh, everyone has holiday homes. Cool. So that's where I grew up in. So when you were back in Ireland, you were playing. You weren't running. You were playing lacrosse. Is yeah, that correct? Yeah. When I went, moved up to college, I took up lacrosse, and that was my sport for. Oh, God, from like 2005 to like 2015, even when I moved over here to San Francisco, I was a lacrosse player for the first two years here and I coached a lot. Um, I got involved in, we were like the first team to, the first people to start playing lacrosse in Ireland, the first Irish born people to start playing back in 2005. Well, the first to start playing in maybe 100 years that actually remarkably lacrosse had been brought over to Ireland back in eighteen late 1800s. By uh, by the people who set up the first lacrosse club, Montreal Lacrosse Club, uh, um, which they came over in like 1819. They brought like a Mohawk team, they brought the Montreal team over, and they did a lot of exhibition games. So lacrosse was actually big up until the First World War. And then after that, it, uh, it was kind of, when Ireland got independence, we kind of shunned a lot of the foreign sports out of there. We got back into our, our own roots in terms of sport. But then, uh, yeah, we got it back going in 2005 and helped set up the first lacrosse team in Ireland and then got into the Irish national team and played in the Irish national team for eight, nine years. So uh, when I was over here, actually, I moved to San Francisco in 2013, uh, played in the World Championships in Denver in 2014, my second World Games. 
Um, that was fun, actually. I played against, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about November Project later, but I played against Nick Rodericks, who no way. led the, uh, he captained the French team in the 2014 huh. World Championships. And uh, he leads, well, he, I think he may be retiring in the next couple yeah. of weeks. Um, he was leading the uh, November Project Baltimore tribe. Very cool. Uh, I think that's a good segue into, well, we'll get to November Project, but let's let's first talk about getting into running. Yeah. So you went lacrosse, which is, a, you know, running is often the punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, how'd you get, you know, what was, what did your first run look like? Was it a 50k? For, no, no, no. So I kind of got it. Like what really got me serious into running was actually a November project. Uh, I started when I moved here in 2013. Like I, I, when I was a kid, I had jumped into a couple of cross country races, man, but never took it seriously. My dad was big into running. Actually, he did cross country as a kid. Uh, up until he was like 20, but then he got too busy with farming, so he had to give it up. But he was uh, he was actually instrumental in setting up our local uh, running scene back in the southeast of Ireland. But uh, I was much more into team sports, Gaelic football, hurling, and then when I went into college lacrosse. But then I moved to uh, moved to San Francisco and got involved in the November Project, which is like it's kind of multi-sport and it's uh, fitness beyond running, but it's very running-centric. And uh, yeah, I just started hammering hills with November Project San Francisco. And, uh, and who, who were the leaders at the time? Uh, Lauren McCluskey and uh, and Dan Clayton. Um, so myself and Dan ended up uh, wanting to team up because we used to go to all the North Face Endurance Challenges when we had our November Project Summit. And uh, what was it? In October 20 or September 2014, me and Dan teamed up and we were going to beat all the other co-leaders who had teams in the marathon. Relay. Wisconsin? In Wisconsin, yeah. And we had the famous wrong turn. <laughs> so... Uh, it was uh, so basically the marathon relay is four by ten k, where between one and four people can do any number of uh, of legs. We'll get into the one by yeah, four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so me and Dan were teaming up. I do leg one and leg three. He'd do leg two and leg four. And uh, yeah, I hammer like belligerently hammer out the start uh, into a little bit of a lead because I hadn't really a clue what I was doing <laughs> whatsoever. And there was two other guys behind me. I think it was the LA, the LA leaders and a team from Chicago. And uh, yeah, I completely miss a turn, which is convenient after just talking about doing a navigation race. So this is the, this is the Wisconsin race. Yeah. And I can't think of where... It's really well marked. Yeah, I was going to say. Really, it's, it's basically really well a, a lollipop. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I was in the zone, so I ended up following the, like, the 50K route or something like uh. that. Ended up doing an extra on a six-mile loop. I was wondering, like, why am I passing people again? Like, looked at my watch, <laughs> I was about four miles in. Ends up, I'd done an extra four miles on the six-mile <laughs> loop. And I was back, went from first back to like 90th. But I brought second and third away with me as well. So then I was like, oh, God, I have a bit of catching up to do. And I ended up catching a couple of people. Passed to Dan. We were like 60th, I think. Uh, my good friend Pete Cruz was actually doing it as well. And he was running out the opposite direction on the second leg. And he's here, great job, Paddy. <laughs> and like, I'm a very happy and like go lo- high five and happy go lucky person. And Pete says, I had the, such a look of like <laughs> just determination and just chasing people I'm back in my head. People. Yeah. <laughs> Passed it back to Dan, and he ended up getting us up to 10th at halfway. We ended up chasing, I ended up chasing up to 5th, but we couldn't get hard than that. We didn't break into the podium, but it was kind of the start. Of, that was the start of my running competitiveness, where I was eager to race and just loved the thrill of the chase, I think. Um, and it was the start of me getting a reputation as being really poor at directions. <laughs> so this is why you're doing a, so this a is why compass. Doing and compass and yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, when was your first ultra? First ultra was a few months after that. 
I uh, did say my first like long trail race of 30k in like January 2015 here in the Bay and uh, had good success, won my first 30k and I was pumped about that and from there, I don't know, it was kind of a mixture of peer pressure and also me wanting to find something different to lacrosse. Um, myself and uh, my good friend Amy Leadham, Amy the Punisher, both decided to sign up for a first ultra. So we entered into the lottery for the TRT 55K, which is in July. Um, but you find out New Year's Eve hmm. uh, if you get into the lottery or not. And we're actually at a house party in this house right here when we were, me and Amy we were looking at our <laughs> emails at like 11.30 and uh, we both found out we got in. So we both signed up for our first ultra. So I did my first marathon, which was, I did the Oakland Road Marathon in March 2015. First ultra, July 2015. Uh, did the Headlands 50K, which is the US Championship second month later. And then we did my first 50 miler in December 2015, the North Face uh, Challenge here in, uh, here in Marin. And then did my first 100K in May 2016. And then realized I was going way too <laughs> long, way too quick. So kind of plateaued off for a couple of years after that. Very cool. And you've uh, you've done pretty well here in the at the North Face, California. Yeah, last yeah, couple of years. that's that's my. Uh, I just love racing on home turf. It's a fa- like it's such a fast race. It's like it's ultimately it's a fifty fifty mile like cross country race. Effectively, <laughs> it's such a fast fast thing. But I think, to us, I think I'm suited more to like fast races like that. But I just enjoy the mountains a lot more. So I keep signing up for these longer, uh, kind of more mountainous races. But I should be continuing to do like the races like Sonoma and, and the North Face 50. But yeah, uh, I just love the atmosphere at that race. And just the we always have a huge November Project presence and a huge local San Francisco running, like San Francisco running presence as well. And yeah, I've done that every year and kind of bumped up positions. And so I was 13th in 2015, 9th in 2016. And then I kind of ballsily uh, called out and I run for our interview that, well, I'm jumping up four places every year. So I'll come fifth this year when they interviewed me in, in 2017. I did come fifth that year. And then they called me out afterwards saying, well, you said you were going to win it next year. So. <laughs> and then uh, so I was training. I was actually in the best shape of my life coming into a... Uh, the 2018 one, but um, ends up because of the fires, it was cancelled. So I escaped with not a. Well, let's talk about the marathon you jumped into there. Yeah. How yeah. did that turn out? You went. You went. Some people go couch to 5k, couch to marathon. You went. You went trail 50 miler to road marathon. How? Yeah. How did you? How did? How did you and your coach do that? Yeah. So to be honest, uh, because I'd mentioned like the North Face 50 miler is such a fast, fast race. I've been using fast training a lot to train for that. So I'd been doing cross-country. I'd done the San Francisco cross-country season. I'd been racing that the previous three months. Like, I'm a huge advocate for fast racing to prepare for trail races. So I was in really good shape, uh, fast shape for three-mile races or for a 50-mile race, but not for a 26-mile road marathon. So uh, about a week beforehand, when we realized the race is going to be cancelled, uh, we started thinking about, well, we want to utilize the fitness. I thought about signing up for um, and jumping on a flight to go to Cape Town to do the 100k there, which is uh, on, was a couple on people same, did, yeah. yeah, which was on the same weekend. But then I realized the whole full time job and whatnot, they might be a bit pissed at me taking <laughs> a couple extra days off. But uh, for years, I'd been really, like, I'd never really trained for a road marathon. I'd done Oakland, I'd done two Bostons, but they were always in the midst of mountain training. And, um, but now, like, I recognize I had some really fast legs on me from training for TNF 15 and wanted to utilize it. And 
why not jump into the most competitive <laughs> road marathon in the US right. and it was perfect timing like I'd been I'd already been tapering for like two weeks because we had just got back from the North Face uh, Athlete Summit and I'd actually bruised my my foot bouldering jumping like we we're bouldering on the beach and without pads which is very irresponsible two weeks before the North Face <laughs> 50 sorry sorry coach um, and so I'd actually took like a two week taper into that and then my leg was getting better coming up to the North Face 50 that was cancelled but we were still in the midst of the smoke. So I jumped in when we decided to do the marathon. I jumped in and did like one marathon pace training session on the treadmill. It was one of the scariest experiences I remember of my you life. did that on what? Was that Friday? Yeah. Of North Face weekend? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I remember seeing you on Thursday and you were like, this is, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> like running 550, because I was aiming for 515 pace. Running 515 on a treadmill scared the fuck out of me. You can like burn out the motors on those things. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Um, but jumped into that, did like a three by three mile workout on that, felt good, and then uh, did another workout or two leading up to it, and then. But effectively, I had like a, a month long taper going into it, which was great because I love resting. <laughs> uh, so it worked out real well, and then jumped into uh, jumped into CIM and took a reasonably reserved start into the race, but then I ended up running in running beside this dude from New York, um, from like mile six to mile twelve, and we were clicking along some good miles and we were through the half and like 110 20 I think which is like 30 seconds slower where it needed to be for because I was brazenly deciding I wanted to aim for a marathon Olympic uh, trial pace just because I'd American not, or, or um, with the Olympic B standard right. so our, we don't have a we don't have a specific trial qualifier because right. it's just whoever runs the fastest times gets on the team Um. But I had nothing to lose. Like I was a, a mountain runner who was training for a mountain race, and uh, so like I, I was going to go out and risk, like go out hard. And uh, sure, if I blew the fuck up, hey, at least we had good fun. <laughs> yeah, you're close to home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we got half through halfway, and we both felt good, so we started clocking off, getting off, getting like knocking off faster, faster miles, and uh, dropping some five tens and some five twelves, and we got to like mile twenty, and we were underneath on a big trail pace. But then my legs proceeded to fall off a little bit, and he proceeded to go on and get like a two minute mar- uh, negative split wow. to get to eighteen thirty. But I say like that. This one thing I always feel really shit about, and that I say that oh my legs fell off, but they didn't really. I was still running like five thirty five which is faster than my PR <laughs> and it's something that always cracks me up when like when I don't know when the elite someone I'd say like oh your legs fell off but still you're moving at a hell of an amazing pace so it's always kind of good to put that in perspective definitely so let's talk about the the cross-country racing that's something that you and and Dylan Bowman does a lot of it yeah, too yeah, right he was doing a lot of it last season let's talk about that as someone that's training for super long stuff yeah um just getting that hurt hurt locker and, and it's just a it's just a whole different type of pain and suffering but it's like it it kind of helps you train mentally to really dig in a hole but it's only from for, the gun but it's only for from immediately so it's good for like get, tackling your nerves going right. into a race as well because you're going you like you got to go right. quick um, but you've got like 20 to 25 minutes of suffering but then the recovery is actually relatively quick afterwards right. like you're only you're doing a 5k or a 10k race one thing I take a lot from it is actually ta- the ability to do tactical racing so uh, like in cross country with which maybe we don't do as much in ultra racing where you make moves like tactical moves to try drop someone but that's something that's really useful in ultra running right. that's what cross country is all about 
like making these little surges for 10 or 20 seconds and to try knowing break that you someone, can sustain. knowing that you can sustain and to drop someone. And that's something I did a lot of in racing. And I think it's really translated into uh, my ultra running these past two years, which I've really enjoyed. I think like also this year, we had a couple of our November project uh, dudes jumped into cross country races as well because they were training for ultras too. And they're going getting PRs in in ultra races now and they really noticed how uh, kind of beneficial it was like I'm such an advocate for people jumping into the short races but also for people to keep like doing kind of jumping into road racing as well to train for ultras and jumping into like short trail races and kind of using I, I like using racing as training Mm-hmm. Um, like after those cross country races we would go we'd do the 5k cross country race and then we might go add on two hours in the hills afterwards as well it's really nice as well because the race is like the whole race season here in Northern California kind of goes all around the whole greater Bay Area so it's a great way to kind of explore new trails and new areas which you haven't run in before as well definitely yeah. let's get back to the marathon um, you've you've been torn now between mm-hmm. You know what? What is 2019 going to look like? Yeah. Um, where Where's your head at? So with Ireland, we have a something like a 17 month window um, for people to qualify for the race. So from January 1st, 2019, through to uh, London Marathon Weekend 2020. Um, this is for the for the Olympic marathon. For the Olympic marathon. Yeah. So effectively, whoever runs the three dudes and three women who run the fastest times will be heavily considered to be chosen for that team. There might be a little bit of bias in terms of the timing they run the race uh, to get the people, the three fastest fellas and three fastest girls um, to the start line in Tokyo. Um, feasibly looking at previous results, I think the three fastest men's times are going to have to be faster than 2.15. Um, but the way I'm at now, so currently like I've run at 2.20, but it was not off marathon training. Currently, where I'm at now, I had a lot of goals already set for 2019 in terms of trail racing. Um, the Wicklow Round in April, I'm entered for UTMB the end of uh, the end of summer. Um, but I'm going to put the first four months of uh, 2020 into training for uh, a road marathon, and then choose classically choose the last possible chance <laughs> to uh, get into the race. So I'm going to try to do the London Marathon in 2020 and see if we use that as a qualifier. But already we've had like Stephen Scullion, I think is his name, an Irish dude, ran at 2.14.30 at Houston. So that like could be one of the spots already gone. And there's a lot of fast dudes in Ireland who are going to be getting pretty close to that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't feel I'm ready to commit to doing the, putting the next 18 months into road running because I found running through the mountains and trails already had a huge amount of really exciting goals for that and I wasn't ready to pull, to brush them to the side yet um, but I still want to do go for that I'm in a unique opportunity where I can get relatively close to this uh, Olympic trial and I think it'd be really fun to go for it and I think it's kind of funner just like putting in like making it slightly more difficult for myself to do it by only putting like three or four months into it uh, so yeah um, I'm likely stepping back from uh, my full time job here at UCSF in the end of September I'm going to try to full time-ish running for a year and travel a bit um, so I'm looking at some locations where I could go uh, where I could go travel in the spring leading up to leading up to uh, to London um, yeah there'll be more on that in the next couple of weeks and months I think Nice. Um, I had a chat with Devin Yanko earlier in the week, and it was all about um, 
I was trying to, it's like a, okay, here's where I'm at. What would you do? Mm-hmm. And, and what I was saying to her was that my, my road running was going really well. And I also love the trails mm-hmm. and her feedback was super simple, but it was like, do what you're enjoying right now. If you, if you have an opportunity, uh, you know, in front of you, that's exciting, ride it out, see what happens. And then, um, you know, make, make the change when necessary, which was, um, good advice. Yeah. Um, like one thing I found that, like, for example, today out in the, spending the, the that whole morning out in the Berkeley Hills, it was just like, it was pissing rain. Fog was coming in. I was going through like a foot of muck, but it was so much fun. Yeah. It was just like pure fun. And I don't, at times I don't really get that from yeah. like, just pounding the pavement. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I do love racing on the pavement, but just in terms of the training, the training I just love yeah. getting out the hills and trail running and ultra running can bring you to such spectacular places and i've been very fortunate where i've got the race in the alps got a race in the dolomites went to hong kong to do a race and uh, just this past spring got to run all over ireland um i don't know i think it just affords you some really to bring it can bring you to some really spectacular places definitely one of the the themes that guests on the podcast have uh, brought up over and over again is is enjoying the process and i think the only way to sustain success or sustain any sort of consistency is to like like you were just beaming when you were talking about the rain and yeah. and you know i experienced the same thing this morning running 15 on on the western states trail mm-hmm. and just like mm-hmm. splashing through the mud puddles and mm-hmm. it's just not as fun to splash through pave, <laughs> p- puddles on pavement yeah, yeah, you don't get mud all over your legs yeah, and like yeah, they yeah. took that shot yesterday of you know the mud up your calves and like yeah. you don't get that on yeah. on the road but yeah. you know it's fun to it's fun to hammer sometimes so um let's talk about uh travel what are where some of the you mentioned a lot of places what's what's been the the you know coolest place you've been recently i just came back from did uh i did the 100k in hong kong in middle middle of january hong kong was a spect is a spectacular place in terms of like it's one of the biggest urban centers or one of the most alive urban centers in the world if you run 10 minutes in one direction, you're going to hit a trail with like 1,500, 2,000 feet climbs out of that. A it's bunch got, of stairs. It's got an amazing, yeah, a bunch of concrete stairs. For some reason, they keep, they put like, they put kind of, kind of, it's kind <laughs> of a lazier, in fairness, it's a lazier approach to trail maintenance over there. They make all the stairs concrete, so it's a uh, less repair. Um, but uh, yeah, something like 70% of the Hong Kong islands are green space. Wow. So it's an amazing like interface of like just the kind of the crossover between urban and trail is just spectacular there. So if anyone gets a chance, I'd recommend. And they have an amazing trail running community there. They've got races every weekend. So if anyone gets a chance, I'd really recommend uh, getting over to Hong Kong to do one of the races there. Nice. So one thing you mentioned was you're stepping back from full time, um, your full time job. Let's. I, I want to ask about getting into full time running, but let's first talk about. What is your job? What What do you do on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, so I'm a cancer biologist at UCSF, uh, University of California, San Francisco. Um, I moved over here in 2013 after finishing my PhD in cancer biology um, for a postdoc here. So I've been working across two different labs over the last uh, five years as a postdoc, and now I'm a research specialist. Um, the main focus of our work is that we're doing... We're trying to figure out why certain tumors 
become resistant to drugs because we've got really good targeted therapies out there that will target maybe a protein that's gone wrong to cause a certain tumor and it'll work the patient will respond you'll see regression of a tumor but then all of a sudden the tumor comes back and no longer responds to drugs uh responds to the drug you're using to to target it, the treatment you're using um, we're trying to figure out what happens to cause that resistance, what drives that mechanism of resistance. So we're mainly working across, mainly working on gastric cancer and breast cancer, but tumors that are caused when uh, by mutations in uh, DNA damage repair proteins. One thing, the human cell is an amazing thing in that every day thousands of cells in your body undergo mutations that could potentially become cancer, but you've proteins in your cell that go around, they'll fix those mutations and make it back to normal. But say if those proteins are broken, that's like what we're looking a lot at, and that's when it can develop towards a tumor. Got it. Do you think the science-based approach that you take in your professional career has been beneficial for for the running that you're doing? It has, and actually kind of one reason that one thing that's guided that, when I started running, I actually got involved in a... I started working with a coach the first month I started trail running back in like January 2015. Uh, Matt Lay, who's how, a, how did you find him? Uh, it was kind of weird serendipity. I was uh, on a run with Pete Cruz from uh, one of our buddies here from November Project San Francisco, and he was like, Patty, there's a dude in my track club, uh, West Valley, who's spectacular ultra runner we just ran at 222 at boston he just won the u.s 100 mile trail championships and as a coach you should reach out to him to see if uh he'll coach you and i was like i don't want to do a coach. i don't want to take him running that seriously i'm a lacrosse player Pete. come on um later that day i actually got a message from matt ends up one of his work colleagues had seen me at a race the previous week i was like yeah there's this irish dude who doesn't seem to know what, know what he's doing but he's doing really well maybe you should reach out to him so on that same day we both heard about each other uh he reached out to me he's like do you actually know what you're doing and i'm like not no. really he was like, would you like a coach i'm like uh, yeah and uh yeah we've been working with each other since for the last four years but he's an exercise physiology lecturer and researcher out of a uh, um, a university in Boise, Idaho, and um, he writes for I think it's Trail Runner magazine. He writes kind of their science, uh, kind of um, some science sections for them. But uh, he takes a very kind of method method. I can never say that word. Method Meth- methodological. 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 Methodolo- Methodical. <laughs> methodical. These beers are hitting us. Yeah. Methodical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Methodical approach. I'm a, look, English is my first language, so come on. John should have got that. Um, he takes a very methodical approach to uh, to training where we've... Uh, but also, we like to balance in the fun side of it as well, which I think is really important too. Uh, and also, one thing which we'll probably come back to is that we balance in like extensive rest as well. I like to... I like to balance in other sports with my running. I think it's really important to keep the mind fresh and it's really important to keep kind of the emotional side of running fresh as well. I think burnout is a, a big thing, but um, that's very open for me to get out and do new, different things like this navigation stuff I'm doing at the moment, doing climbing, taking long Christmas breaks, all of that. But um, yeah, the science approach of it, uh, he's been really good in that regard. We get to play around a lot of fun stuff. Cool. What does he think about the move to full-time running? He's excited about it. He's really excited it's about like it. An experiment for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, he's been really good at like kind of direct, like taking on like my own personal goals and helping uh, help me fulfill them in terms of, of running background. 
but uh but also because he's got a science background he uh he's also like oh what about all those papers you were meant to be publishing uh at ucsf <laughs> um but yeah yeah no he's excited for me to try something different and also uh to really go for it with that uh that road marathon time as well because um yeah that'd be a pretty cool experience definitely even going for like just going for the olympic yeah uh, just setting that crazy goal yeah um did you ever think you'd be doing anything like this no i thought i'd be playing lacrosse and uh for the rest of my days uh i still could go back to it i still got my sticks and pads up in the room Uh, and your fitness is a little bit better than it was back then too yeah 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 oh god lateral movement of dodging (laughs) and sidestepping i think my hips would fall apart That's true. Yeah. What do you do in terms of? Uh, I know you mentioned rest and recovery. What are what are some of your so actually, tips and tricks? Uh, so this year, I've actually started working at kind of, I guess as opposed to rehab, it'd be more prehab. Yep. Um, I started doing strength training. I'm working with uh, Ryan Wooderson, mm-hmm. who is a former co-leader of Novum Project Denver, who yep. started doing his a PT based out of Denver and he's starting to do um, he set up kind of a, a training group in Denver which I'm kind of working with him online um, lift heavy run fire mm-hmm. so um, this past four or five months I've been doing weight training with him and yeah I'm actually seeing some good outputs I can, was crushing the stairs in the Hong Kong race felt strong on that and I still want to be running in 20 or 30 years we want to be running with healthy joints for sure and I think that's the one step towards doing that Cool. And also want to push kind of the short my, my short-term speed and strength, and I think strength training is going to help with that a lot. So let's talk um, – let's get back to the full-time running. You have a handful of partners and sponsors that, that help you make things possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about some of those. Let's talk about how, how, did, you, how did you go about getting those partnerships? Um, so like my kind of my longest sponsor has been uh, the North Face. Um, so the North Face uh, supported the November Project for many years, and I kind of got to know them through the November Project and through the Endurance Challenge series because I was going over, showing up with the with the tribe and with a bringing two hundred people to a race is a nice a nice race. way to yeah. to get to know. But I uh, was having a lot of like a lot of fun, like hammering these marathon relays and then pushing up to like doing fifty miles and such with them. So we had a very good relationship at the Endurance Challenge series. They were very big advocates for kind of the community side of what I was doing, leading November Project San Francisco. So um, it was kind of similar to like myself and Matt serendipitously finding each other at the same time. Right. With North Face, it was kind of similar that we both kind of approached each other at a similar time where um, it was kind of cool for them seeing like a November Project leader coming up and having success at the national level right. in, uh, here in the U.S., and uh, yeah, they took me under their wing in late 2016, and uh, yeah, I've been running with racing with them since the last three years. One thing I love about that team is, or about them, is their eagerness to uh, support a team. So we have every year we have an athlete summit where we have all the climbers, the mountaineers, the skiers, the snowboarders, the runners, where they bring us all together for a week of activities. We're all sharing each other's sports or doing random sports. We were in Puerto Rico this year surfing. It was terrible. <laughs> But uh, they really promote kind of the community side of our sports, but also the team aspect and the team building aspect. Um, my other sponsor, uh, Sufferfest Brewing Company, they're the very same. Where they love, like they are huge supporters of all of the different sporting communities here in the Bay Area, and now in Southern California, up in Portland, in Colorado, and uh, they're huge advocates of of community and huge supporters of that and that was community is kind of what got me into running 
kind of what got me into lacrosse as well. And it's been really fun as like saying as leading NP, as leading a November Project tribe, but like giving back to that community. But then it's really fun to have sponsors who are also really behind uh, building communities and like just making this fun for everyone involved. Definitely, that's really the the core of you know what it's all about. Mm. Um, what would you tell Patty of let's say 2013? Patty of 2013, keep doing what you're doing. Jump at chances when you when you've a uh, weird opportunity in front of you, go for it. Like it's funny when I uh, I reminisced uh, with my buddy Drew home and driving back from Wake to Cool yesterday. He was here, Patty. How did you end up coming to San Francisco? And uh, so I told him a story of like I was finishing up. I was a couple of months out from finishing up the PhD back in uh, back in Dublin, and I was walking down the corridor and I looked up at the bulletin board, and there was a poster with the Golden Gate Bridge, and uh, it said, "Oh, research positions available, University of California." Email Martin McMahon. Uh, UCSF.edu and I was like huh that looks familiar I've seen oh I saw that in The Rock <laughs> and uh, so that was my, my only experience well, he's, a, he's, the he's the next podcast guest yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> The Rock I'll, I'll definitely <laughs> help you interview him um, jump into my bo- or go into my boss I'm like hey have you ever heard of this Martin McMahon dude over here in San Francisco he's just by chance he had emailed him yesterday to invite him to a conference so then he responds back to to my future boss Martin saying, "Oh, I've got an Irish an Irish researcher wants to go and join you." Ended up with a over and back, and ended up going moving to San Francisco. Then, so that was a very serendipitous thing that brought me to San Francisco. Finding out about November Project, for example, I was sitting right in this couch here in the interview for this house, and uh, one of the guy guys in the house realized I was being into sport and he's here yeah I've heard of this weird running cult that just started in <laughs> San Francisco you want to meet people you want to like uh, move you should join it and I went and joined NP next week or the, the week after that that got me into running and that got me out to travel to all these amazing places and meet all these amazing people so uh, yeah serendipity is an amazing thing but also you have to recognize what's a really good opportunity and then follow through with it as well um, so I feel very grateful and lucky for the paths that have been presented before me, but I'm all, uh, but I'm also glad I jumped at a lot of them too. Definitely. What was what was November Project San Francisco like back in the day? And then next question, I'll say the next question. Weird as fuck. <laughs> Everyone was very weird. Uh, it was just fun. And today uh, they're not. It's still fucking weird. <laughs> it's class. That's one thing I love about it. That's one thing we always prided in San Francisco. Yeah. And it's been retained true to this day in that just throwing out weird events and zany events and just uh, just kind of, yeah, just keeping it weird. Keeping it weird. Keeping it weird, keeping people smiling, keeping people laughing. And sometimes we can all get caught up in our day-to-day. But you wake up in the morning and go and just have a really fun time doing a board game workout. On, uh, over in Alta Plaza Park or now in Dolores Park it, uh, you go into work an hour or two later just smiling and, rem- and laughing about that definitely and what was it like uh, turning the reins over to our friend Tony here yeah it was uh, it allowed me to sleep in a couple of mornings <laughs> a week which was pretty nice and that was great Tony's been one of my long- my closest friends in San Francisco and I couldn't have found a better person to uh, step into step into my shoes and fill my shoes and do be so much more efficient at being a November project leader than me. Like in terms of like they've, uh, they've been able to like do so much more. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that I love about coming to San Francisco is the, the, it's not just a workout. It's a group of people that 
love each other and they yeah. do they do cool stuff together. Yeah. We were all in Auburn this weekend, uh, just hanging out, cheering for people we did and didn't know. And it's just like it's not just a workout group, and yeah. that's I I think more that's true more so in San Francisco due to the culture that you guys yeah. have created than than anywhere else in in the country and. I don't know. I've been to fifteen yeah. different tribes, so yeah, we're we're really lucky just to have a just a great group of people. That, like throughout the week beyond the workouts, Monday nights you might see a group of MP people climbing together. Thursday mornings you'll see them going running trails together. Saturdays you see them going running trails or going climbing or going hiking or going to brunch or doing whatever, going watching rugby. All of this, it's a uh, like over the years we <laughs> back in like 2015, 2016, There was about twelve of us from NP. We had a a touch rugby team so we competed in the local uh, co-ed touch rugby circuit and we were mediocre to average it was really good we did quite well better than we expected um but that was really fun we even one of our tribe members kylie baker uh, she stitched up jerseys for us wow and we tagged them so we had november project jerseys so that's awesome tony if you ever need november project jerseys we got you they're crop tops <laughs> Pink, that's good for those, r- those races yeah um Let's talk about the day you came to Boston, and I remember you saying to me after, I think you took down the stadium record, uh, you said, and you no, didn't, didn't take down the stadium record, no. but anyway, you said to me, what else can I take? What other PRs, what other course records are there out there? What, Summit Ave, what's, what do I race there? How, do you remember the day that you raced uh so this is third, this is third. I was going to a wedding up in uh, in Maine, landed in on Wednesday evening, and then Thursday morning, myself and Laura Green uh, went out to uh, Laura was must be like eight nine months pregnant Pretty at the pregnant, time. Yeah. So, <laughs> so she stood there heckling and recording, and I went for the record on one of the humidest. Wait, Laura was heckling. Who would have thought? Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, that's wild. She's such a nice She's person to a, be yeah. at all times. Um, so I went for the record on like one of the days of the highest humidity that I've ever seen and that I'm going to claim that Boston has ever seen. Yeah, confirmed. And uh, it was absolutely heinous. And I it, it, was, it was 95 and 100% humidity. Yeah. So I ended up getting, I think I ran like an 1830, which I was pretty happy about, but it was like a minute short of the record. For, I think. for reference, like sub 30 is 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 like the baseline that most people go for for the stadium. Um 18 is is just killer for those listening at home here. <laughs> so it's always, to be honest, it's always like for San Francisco back in like 2013 onwards, we've always wanted to kind of get one over on Boston because like they're the mothership. They're the, the original tribe. And we always, uh, we always wanted to do one better. So for the last six years, like going to Boston and going taking their record is something I would love to do. But... I haven't done it yet, and I missed it by a minute, so I'm going to have to come back and do it. I think when you become a pro runner, you should just move to Boston yeah. and train in the stadium. Yeah, big time, big time. Yeah, great for training. for That would have been excellent training for Hong Kong. Mountain quads, yeah, mountain yeah, calves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you tell uh, new runners or new ultra runners as they're looking to move up in distance? I think, I think that's a, a population of people that, you know, there are a lot of those people listening to this podcast. Learn about your stomach. <laughs> Learn how to eat. Practice your fueling. Find out what's best for you. And ultra, ignore everything else. Ultra running is a race of consumption, often more so than a race of running, especially as you get to longer distances. The food and what and liquid you take on board is so important. And figuring out what you can take on board, how your stomach's going to handle it, is 
going to be important once you get into those multi-hour races. And uh, so, yeah, just practicing fueling, practicing eating. Um, it'll make your experience out there much more enjoyable as well if you're not uh, stuck on the side of a trail puking and whatnot and, or other things. Um, Unless you're Kyle Patari, in which case that's yeah. you just got to do it. Yeah, you that's just got to do it as part of the game. Uh, yeah, I think uh, learning learning about fueling, learning what your body can take on board. Like when you're out there for several hours, your body's, you're always... Your credit card is always in the red in terms of your body, and you're just trying to keep it. You're just trying to not hit that limit. Yep. Yeah. Nice. What gets you really excited? Going to cool places to 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 run, to explore, to explore with friends. Uh, just seeing that my feet can take me out into ridiculous outdoor places. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Patty, for doing this. Uh, I'm excited to share this uh, this conversation, and uh, and I think the, I think that's it. Cheers, lads. Awesome. It was a really fun, fun afternoon. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too. (laughs) 